Welcome back to the ACN podcast, a podcast by nurses for nurses to start conversations that matter. You're joined by your host, Andrea, and this week we discuss public health nursing and the role of mentoring. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Aletha Ward. Aletha is a registered nurse with over 20 years experience. She has worked in cardiac care, cardiac clinical trials, and clinical workforce development before beginning her research and teaching roles at the University of Southern Queensland. Her areas of focus are food system equity, public health, obesity prevention, and emissions reductions in healthcare. Aletha has also published two books titled Heal and Prevent Type 2 Diabetes and Self-Care Superhero Nudges for Nurses. Good morning, Dr. Aletha Ward, and thank you for being the first guest to the 2022 ACN podcast. Pleasure to have you here. Good morning, Andrea. Lovely to be here with you. Always love, love catching up, so this is great. Yeah, this is something I haven't explained to the audience yet. Aletha was my mentor last year whilst I was undertaking the ACN Emerging Nurse Leader Program. We had many great Zoom chats, leaving no topic unturned, which also is the reason why I'm excited to have her here today so that you, the audience, can get a glimpse into that as well. Thanks, Andrea. So to kick it off, we'll start with our first question, which is, why did you become a nurse? I think there's a lot of things that influence your career trajectory, isn't there? And, you know, things like my, my grandmother was a nurse and I remember my father saying to me, Andrea, you know, if you're a nurse, you'll never be out of work, uh, which is true. But I don't think that, you know, gave me the passion to be a nurse. I think, you know, I've had it. I've always had a passion for things like social health policy and public health. And when I was in my late teens, I actually traveled to a developing country and saw, you know, really significant health inequalities and how really simple things like running water and, or, you know, vector diseases really impact health. And it astounded me, I guess we get into our little bubble, but it astounded me that the social divide that was occurring both, you know, throughout the world and in Australia, we're just so fortunate here in Australia and growing up in, in middle-class Australia, I really had no idea of, um, you know, the social inequities occurring, which is, is interesting. That's definitely why I joined the profession, but it took me a long time to get back to my public health uh, passion as, as, you know, professions and, and careers go. That's a really great and unique, interesting start into nursing. And we will touch on your role and what you're up to in the public health space. But until then, can you tell me in that time in all your nursing years, tell me about a patient that touched your heart and a patient that changed your practice. Mm. You know, and Andrea, you, you gave me a bit of a heads up to some of the questions we might be covering and, and you told me to consider this and I actually considered it quite, quite a bit to see who actually or which patient really influenced my practice the most. And I've been just so honoured to witness patients' journeys and, and their resilience. But one does keep in mind, and I was, I was a grad nurse, I was really young, um, and I remember looking after a patient who was just a lovely old woman and really, you know, you know those patients you just really connect with well from the start. 
But uh, the issue was because of religious reasons, she actually decided she wouldn't have a certain treatment, which really would hamper her health outcomes. And myself and all the other healthcare professionals there really didn't understand it. We thought, well, that's just crazy. Why would you, you know, knock back a health treatment where this could be a matter of life or death? But it was the first time that I really understood that health is different for everyone and that I don't have the right to tell people what health means to them or what they need to be healthy and that our role as a nurse is to actually empower what others need, not put our own, you know, judgments and and not think that we know best because we just don't. And, And that lady actually went through a really significant heart operation and came through the other side without the treatment that she needed. And she took a little while to recover and she did fully recover. But she recovered in a way that was really healthy for her because her treatment was aligned with what she needed. And I think that was a very powerful early lesson for me as a nurse to say, you know, it's not about our judgments. It's not what we think what people need. People need different things to be healthy. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a really powerful lesson to learn so early on as a grad nurse. You know, when it it is a bit of a challenging area for us, when you're nursing, you want to follow the best evidence-based practice, you want to follow the guidelines, and you are there to care for the patient. You really truly believe I'm doing the best for this patient. Can you maybe add to that and tell us how can we challenge uh, those biases in ourselves but still deliver? best patient care and that's a good point I think you come out of university thinking that you're going to save save your patients and you've got to do this because it is evidence-based practice it is best practice but I think we've got to really and and, you know this is to basics of nursing isn't it it's about patient-centered care instead of you know assuming what people need to be healthy it's about really getting to know them and understanding you know what they need to be healthy. And if you don't ask and don't build that relationship, you never know and you're always just guessing. And that's quite paternalistic. You know, it's it's one thing that we try to pride ourselves on as a profession that, you know, we, we have patient-centred care, but we must really get to know our patients or else, you know, how can we provide that? That's great. Some really great uh, different schools of thought that you're bringing to nursing, which leads us into where are you working now and what are you working on? So I'm currently uh, working as a lecturer and researcher within nursing and public health at the University of Southern Queensland and research in areas such as social inequities and also emissions reduction in healthcare. I also chair the emissions reduction chapter uh, for the ACN, which you know is, is a large passion for me. And also uh, founded with a a couple of other very passionate nurses, uh, a group called Climate Action Nurses, which is about raising our voice through activism and advocacy, uh, educating ourselves as a profession and promoting that nurse-led research in our response to climate change and emissions and, you know, what the IPCC is stating is a code red for humanity. So I'm really enjoying the role and enjoying the other you know, things that are complementing that, you know, I, I love my job. I feel like it's a, a privilege. I feel that sometimes I should be paying the university so that I can work here mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of them paying me. 
it's just got so many great components. You know, that's really inspiring to hear is most commonly it's people complaining about their jobs. Uh, we have spoken before about how beneficial it is to find a space you love working in as it leads you to throw yourself all in and that's when opportunities arise that you may never have even come across or faced before. Uh, case in point is your new appointment to the role of the chair for the ACN Emissions and Reductions Policy Chapter and congratulations on that new venture. It's probably not the first thing you would think of as part of a nurse's role, but I guess that's a reflection of the changing times and change can be difficult. How was this transition for you and what were your challenges from going from the traditionally known role of bedside nursing to working in public health and academia? It's, it's taken a while, Andrea, as I've shared with you personally before. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, something that I easily transitioned into because I think generally as a nursing profession, we don't see ourselves placed in public health as much as, you know, the opportunity that we have to, to be involved in that. And I think one of the, slightly off topic, Andrea, but I think one of the most exciting things about being a nurse is the diversity. You know, I'm sure you and I have now worked in areas that we just didn't even know existed when we were an undergrad. So that's, that's really exciting. But I think, and, and you know, we, we've obviously had a mentoring relationship before. I think mentors are, are really important. And I transitioned um, into public health by doing my PhD. Uh, I did my PhD in like social inequities and it really embedded me back into that. But I have been so fortunate to always have, you know, mentors in my career. And I think we also need to recognize mentor relationships are often not formal relationships and they can uh, shift and change and they really should shift and change over your, your career. But I think it's about reflecting often because if you reflect often, you can make small adjustments to end up where you want to be, whereas you can just get swept along in, in nursing. So I think it's about, you know, making those small adjustments, but also finding people who inspire you, you know, to, to go in the trajectory you wish to end up being at. And that's both inside and outside of, of nursing. But I've been fortunate enough to be mentored by some pretty amazing uh, nurses and, and continue to, to do so. Yeah, I can't second enough how valuable mentors are and have been to me in my short uh, nursing career so far. They've challenged me to grow, uh, inspired me to learn and really enhance my perspectives, which is one of my favorite parts of having a mentor. It also just makes the whole nursing career pathway journey much more enjoyable and definitely helps keep you motivated. If we can discuss mentoring a bit more, it's commonly thought of as a novice seeking a senior mentor, yet here you are discussing already being a senior, yet seeking mentorship, which is a refreshing perspective, but gets me thinking, often these may not be through formal channels as mentor programs are generally set up for that traditional view of pairing a novice with a senior. How would you suggest those in senior positions seeking mentorship could go about finding and establishing a mentor relationship yet informally? 
Mm, that's a good question. Um, and I think it's just about having having some good conversations with people who inspire you <laughs> and people who, you know, really have, I, I don't think you ever stop learning. And I think you need to be really open to that. I even get, you know, I even get benefits mentoring people. I, I love mentoring people and selfishly, um, I hope I bring something to them, but selfishly, I also just get so much energy from the people that I mentor. And that's usually in an informal capacity. And it's just about, you know, having conversations, seeking out. I've really tried to seek out the leaders in, in the field that I want to be in and, you know, start having conversations. Some people do this very well professionally in nursing and, you know, even things like, and Andrea, I was a late adopter for social media, can I tell you, <laughs> how much to my, my children's disgust. But, you know, I've, I've found some fabulous uh, professional connections and mentors through things like Twitter, you know, just starting to connect with leaders in your field. So I think it's just about being open to, you know, what, what people, what, what advice um, people can give you. And <laughs> I always think, you know, career advice is sometimes like parenting advice. Everyone wants to give it to you <laughs> and everyone thinks their advice is best. But you need to try it on for size and uh, see what works for you and what doesn't. And then you create your own unique, you know, approach to the profession. But if you're willing and able to hear people's perspectives and ask questions, I think most people are happy to share with you their, you know, career secrets. <laughs> if, if you just ask, most people are more than happy to, to help mentor you and and give you some direction. Sure, that's great advice and thank you for sharing. And I must say, well, you're ahead of me. I don't even have a Twitter account, so there's probably <laughs> a few things I need to be asking you to learn from. Well, it took me 20 years, Andrea, so you've still got time yet. <laughs> <laughs> to touch on this notion of diversity and being open to learning and asking questions, whilst these are all positives, the flip side is that it can be quite overwhelming. And this is relevant to a nurse at any stage looking to start something new or make a change. Aletha, do you have any advice on how to make sense of all these lessons yet make the most of the experiences and make a decision on a path to follow? That's a good question. And, you know, and this has certainly happened to me. Sometimes you just, you know, get swept up by by your job and, and life and um, but I think one of the, the most powerful things is that reflexivity to reflect often about, you know, and, and, and try lots of different things as well. Like I've, I've tried things that just weren't, I didn't enjoy and that's a win as well. Like that, that made me know that that wasn't my path. So try lots of things, um, take opportunities when they're given, never be afraid to, to step outside of that you know, the mindset that we are just, you know, bedside nurses. And, but yet, you know, some of my most enjoyable times in nursing has been um, bedside nursing as well. So, you know, find what works for you. And I think, you know, even in, in different parts of our life, Andrea, you know, I want something different from my career now than I did 20 years ago when I started. Now I'm, you know, transitioning 
I don't know, am I middle coming into late across the air? I'm thinking I'm probably over halfway or about there. Um, but to, to always constantly ask and, and reflect. And so now I'm at that point, you know, what drives me is, is legacy work. It's about, you know, how can I shift things for, for the greater good? How can I bring our, our new nurses along and share some of my knowledge with them and empower them to, you know, do the best for our community and, and for our profession? And that always inspires me. I always feel like we're in good hands when I, you know, speak with, with our students but yeah, I guess it depends what you want out of your career and that will shift and change over time. Yeah. That's interesting you talk about legacy. It's probably not something that we as nurses think of as we're usually so caught up in getting the day-to-day -day tasks done. But it's really that bigger picture thinking that you seem to keep coming back to that drives where you're going and also justifies the why. We're working in such a big system that oftentimes you can get lost, but really it is that type of thinking that is required to get you where you want to be and make the changes that you want to see. I mean, this change in thinking and ability to adapt is quite relevant at the moment due to the virus, which needs no introduction, COVID-19. But it has really highlighted the importance of nursing, not just in patient care, but in policy, leadership and public health. Aletha, can you provide us with your comments on what it is that makes nurses so valuable in these roles? And how can nurses become more involved in these areas, whether it's formally or informally? And I think, you know, you just touched on a really good point there, Andrew, that we, we get swept up in that day in, day out you know stuff that we do and we do it so well like we're very effective at the bedside which is amazing we need to keep doing that but there's also a place for us in in that broader conversation where that largest healthcare workforce in Australia and around the world in fact and in my mind we certainly have a place at the table for uh, public health policy we've got a unique perspective and not only do we have a place I think we can really lead and influence that change and I don't think we quite understand, you know, the power that we have in this space and the ability that we have to influence. And at times through COVID, you know, I think our voice has been lacking to an extent. And that's why we really need to come together and work together through organisations such as the ACN to really advocate for policy that, you know, influences public health outcomes and, and empowers our community. And I think the other thing that we don't think about in nursing is our ability to influence other people. Like we're, we're seen as one of the most trusted professions, yet, you know, it, you know let's harness that power and, and the fact that there's so many of us. And I think one very simple way we can do that is by how we vote. And, you know, for the first time, certainly in my generation, I think we realised through the pandemic the huge role a government can have in influencing health outcomes, probably for, well, certainly for the first time for many people. So there's many organisations such as the ACN or the Public Health Association of Australia that put out, you know, policy platforms 
So, you know, at election time, we need to become informed about the policy that we're voting for and vote for those aligned with, you know, the health that we want to see for our community. We need to be doing things like voting for policies of, of health, public health, you know, initiatives and voting for things such as emissions reduction. We're a really large body of educated professionals and it really is time to make our voice heard. And we've got a number of different ways we can do that. It's an exciting time for nursing and as the current role of a nurse evolves and changes, I'm wondering how you think this will impact the next generation of nurses and what their focuses might have to shift to. Yeah, look, I, I think that the um, dialogue is, is changing a little bit and I see that in my students coming through now. I'm, I feel very confident that the new generation of nurses are you know, trying to, seeing themselves outside of that bedside role. But we're facing some some pretty significant challenges as well in, in relation to, you know, our just looking forward, I guess, our ageing population and also climate-related health impacts. And I think as a profession, we need to redefine our scope of practice and ask what we as nurses can do uniquely as a profession to support things like patient care and building resilience into our community and healthcare systems and advocate for funding around that. So we need to have the conversations to ensure that we support our population's health. And, you know, again, it comes back to policy, doesn't it, Andrea? So I really, I, I love having conversations with my undergrad students about, you know, social health policy and roles that we can take in nursing to, you know, activate and advocate and really uh, drive the discussion, both within our healthcare sector and in our community. That's wonderful to have your honest thoughts on something you are clearly passionate about, Aletha. And there was a lot of good advice for the future of nursing in there. So I hope the next generation of nurses are out there listening now. Um, aside from all the work you are doing for nursing in the public health space, you have also been writing some books. Congratulations on your books out now titled Heal and Prevent Type 2 Diabetes and Self-Care Superhero, Not Just for Nurses. Can you tell us how these books came to be and about your writing process? Yeah, thanks, Andrea. You know, it's interesting. I've been in academia for a little while now and, you know, it, we, we call it publish or perish. You've got to, you know, publish in these Q1 journals and it's all about, you know, getting published in that way. But that's not what I went into nursing for. I went into nursing to influence our community. And that's where the type 2 diabetes uh, book came from. That was actually the first one I wrote. And interesting because generally as nurses, we, we don't write books, but th that was really to empower people who are on that type 2 diabetes journey. And so, so I did a lot of research in my PhD about behavioural psychology and how we can shift and change our environment to shift and change our health outcomes. So that was, you know, what that book I was trying to make, I guess, my research palatable for everyone. Like, what does that mean? You know, a person in the community with type 2 or who's got a history, a family history of type 2 is not going to pick up my journal article, but they might pick up the book. And then the new book, Self-Care Superhero, uh, Nudges for Nurses, that was actually born out of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and witnessing 
you know, our nursing colleagues around the world under that unprecedented stress and workload. So it was a very small contribution to our, our profession. And I was speaking with my sister, who's an ED nurse in, in America, who was really struggling with, with workload and the pressure. And I was saying to her, oh, read this book and read that book. It's great. And she actually laughed at me and said, love, I don't have time to eat, let alone read a book. And I thought, okay, that's a valid point. So the book's written in a way, there's 52 nudges is what I've called them. And it's written in a way that literally you can pick up and you can spend less than two minutes reading a nudge, which you can build into your day for self-care. And I think you know, I've, I've realised over the years, it took me a while, <laughs> that prioritising self-care is just so important because that makes us, you know, it's, it's like filling your own cup before you can pour out of it. You know, that makes us better nurses and mothers or, you know, daughters and everything that we need to do in life. So my nursing colleagues were, were kind enough to read it and reread it and make some suggestions. So we've brought together, yeah, a little book that hopefully for the profession. And I can attest I have read the book and it is filled with really quick, short, sharp, practical and some humorous bits in there, which uh, <laughs> is a nice break in the day. Thanks, Andrea. And I guess, you know, nursing's hard and, and the world and pandemic, it's, it's difficult at the moment. And so just didn't want to make it too heavy. I had an amazing illustrator who did a good job with that. Amazing. That's a very creative way to get very important messages out there. And I look forward to seeing what you come up with next. However, that does bring us to the end of our conversations today. And I would just like to take the opportunity to say a big thank you to Dr. Aletha Ward for joining me today and sharing her passion for nursing, her unique insights that she brings to nursing from different schools of thought and also her support for the next generation of nurses. Thanks, Andrea. It's my pleasure. Hey, listener. Just a couple of things from your host, Andrea, before you go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Aletha Ward. And I'll leave you with a final question. If you had to choose someone from your network to be a mentor, who would you choose? And why not reach out today? Also, don't forget you can follow us on social media platforms like Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook. Otherwise, send your questions via ACN Neo. Look forward to chatting next month. Take care.